0: Welcome to the No Meh Movies Podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright, it's average, it's just okay. If you ask your friends if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris and he's Darren Cross. And on this show, we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad, and whether or not you should watch them, because on this show, there are no meh movies. Now for a movie to qualify as meh, it must be between 40 and 60 on the Tomato Meter on Rounded Tomatoes or between 4 and 6 on IMDB and the movie we chose this week in honor of that classic villain, the Invisible Man, coming back to theaters, there was only one movie we could possibly do that involved an invisible man and fit our meh criteria and that would be 2000's hollow man which scores a 5.8 on imdb and a 28 percent on rotten tomatoes
1: really digging your enthusiasm right now
0: oh yeah <laughs> it's high I mean, when it's a bacon movie <laughs> That's right, Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man. Darren, spoiler warning, spoiler warning for Hollow Man, in case it's been a while since they've seen it, or they've never seen it before, what is Hollow Man all about?
1: Sure. Hollow Man is about a team of scientists who are doing a study. They're being funded by the government, the federal government, to do a study on how to essentially make people invisible, but then also just as critical, bring them back to being visible again. So we are launched into the story where they have successfully made several animals invisible and they have been trying to figure out how to make them reappear, which they've been struggling with. And Kevin Bacon, who plays uh, Dr. Sebastian Kane. Decides not to tell those funders that they figured it out, and instead move right into human trial. And he volunteers to be the first human trial. Ooh! And you know, as you might imagine, consequences ensue. <laughs> I was going to say shenanigans ensue. How are you going to end this one?
0: <laughs> consequences ensue. That is right. All right, Darren. First question we ask of our meh movies is, did the movie do what it was supposed to do? What do you say this week?
1: I said the movie did not do what it was supposed to do this week. I think that this really felt like the setup for more of like a psychological thriller than it ended up being. I think there were some hints at some some psychological stuff and like at some hints at behavioral things that would come with if someone was invisible and could essentially walk around and do whatever they want if you watch the preview for this movie i think you're not sure if you're supposed to be watching like a like a horror sort of like a like a slasher movie or you're supposed to be watching like a psychological study on what happens to someone when something like this happens and and i think the movie kind of um, struggled with that identity. And so I think if you struggle with the identity, then it's hard to do what you're supposed to do because you aren't sure what you're supposed to be doing.
0: So you wanted it to pick a lane. Is it Was it more of a psychological thriller or was it more of a slasher film? Yeah, I guess? yeah, and it felt like it was sort of
1: trying to be a little bit of both.
0: Okay, I can see where you're coming from there. I, I did say that the movie did what it was supposed to do because it... it I mean, I I see it here. I see it here on Wikipedia, listed as a sci-fi horror thriller, and I mean, it it definitely covers sci-fi. I mean, yeah. entering this world of like, can we make things invisible? Uh, definitely hits that science fiction uh, checkbox, and uh, I think there was enough like it ramps up to enough horror elements with some of the voyeurism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm and then, then yeah i mean it gets murdery by the end it it gets i mean we'll talk about we'll, we'll we'll talk about how murdery the movie gets and whether we think that's a success or a failure but i think it it at least checked the boxes like for what it was trying to do okay i, I but i see where you're coming from where it it could have been stronger if it picked a lane yeah yeah and really drove really drove that point home so maybe not our strongest conviction to did the movie do what it was supposed to do but I I'm, I'm giving it a you know a check mark there all right all right Darren let's talk a little bit about this cast and uh, we have a pretty I mean it's not a huge cast this week but we got a pretty strong cast we have Kevin bacon. In our lead role as Sebastian Kane, We have Elizabeth Shue as Linda McKay. The rest of these are just scientists or doctors who worked at the lab. We have Josh Brolin as Matt Kensington. We have Kim Dickens as Sarah Kennedy. We've got Greg Grumberg as Carter. we got Joey Slotnick as Frank. Mary Randall as Janice. And then rounding out the cast, William Devane as Howard Kramer, his mentor in government contact, and Rona Mitra as Sebastian's neighbor. And that's really, I mean, it really makes up most of the cast here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a tight cast this week. I mean, it's kind of a bottle movie, you know? We don't see much of the world outside of this lab. So who do you got this week as your top performer?
1: I kicked this around a bit because nobody like, really like stuck out for me too much, but in the end I landed with uh, Josh Brolin, who plays Matt Kensington. I thought that he did a good job. So what we find out pretty early on is that him and uh, Linda McKay, who's played by Elizabeth Shue, are a couple, and that Linda and Sebastian, who played by Kevin Bacon, used to be a couple. Um, So there's sort of like some tension there because they all still work together. Um, But Sebastian is not aware of this until later on in the movie. So I thought Josh Brolin, as things unwound, like did a good job of like sort of playing what you would expect a scientist to do. Like he was always very logical about his decisions. And I thought his acting showed that, that he, you know, this, this is how someone who thinks of the world is very, you know, like facts and not facts would react to like a very intense dangerous situation and then the scenes that were that were more action-packed like towards the end of the movie they're like climbing a elevator shaft and there's a lot happening and it's pretty intense his skills around around that I thought were pretty good and he he has an interesting way of of sort of always being like kind of stoic with the way that he reacts to things but it seems natural For some reason, the way that even if it's like an intense situation, he's you could tell he's stressed, but he's not like overacting.
0: Josh Brolin, it's an interesting role to see him in because it's I feel like it's kind of before he found his groove in Hollywood. Like he's obviously made a huge impact in the comic book world recently, playing Thanos and the Avengers uh, playing. uh, Oh, what's his name in uh, Deadpool? Cable. Mm -hmm. playing Cable in Deadpool. Uh, He even played Jonah Hex. They tried to boot a franchise around him playing uh, that comic book character. So clearly Hollywood has realized that Josh Brolin plays a pretty awesome, gritty, evil kind of character. Like Whether it's the anti-hero or just the villain, he's definitely found a niche in Hollywood. But I feel like they were trying to make him a leading man for a long time. And... uh, He's also in No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess a little bit of an anti-hero role there.
1: Yeah, he plays the, uh, cent- I guess, kind of the antagonist in Milk.
0: Oh, I didn't saw that one.
1: Okay, with uh, that's the one about the gay council person in San Francisco back in the whatever eighties seventies.
0: Okay, so yeah, so uh, but I feel like at this time they really thought he could be like a leading man type, and I, I mean I'm sure he could, but. I think he's more fun in what he's been doing lately. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I did enjoy him here, and he was in con- He was in contention for a top performer, and he might actually be my. I might agree with you there. I might pick someone else just to give us someone else to talk about. But
1: <laughs> he else it also worked well, and this is more to the I guess to the writing, but to him, to a bit too. I liked because of how like obnoxious and off the wall Kevin Bacon's character is. Like he sort of brings like a levity. And like a, I don't know, calmness or logic to the whole situation.
0: Yeah. So, speaking of Kevin Bacon, he is not my top performer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make that very clear. He is not the top performer in this movie. I I guess I'm going to give mine to Elizabeth Shue. I mean, she carries a lot of the weight of this movie. And she carries some pretty intense scenes with invisible Kevin Bacon yeah where it's all the emotion on her face and stuff like that I, I i think she does the best acting against the hollow man
1: okay that's fair yeah
0: we go on a bit of a journey with her because at first she's her and Josh Brolin are both really nervous about moving ahead to stage 3 of these trials but they're they're kind of looped in with Kevin Bacon's scheme here and they don't really see a way out. And then they're like the only ones that know kind of the details of what's going on as the movie progresses. So they carry a lot of the emotional weight of the movie or the suspense of the movie when it comes to that stuff.
1: Yeah. And she, d- she does have good facial expressions. She, and all the movies that she in, she has like this has something to do with the way that she like does like the wide eye kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's it. I'm I'm always like, oh, like it, it's it's like a very specific kind of look she always gives.
0: The Elizabeth Shoe look. Yeah. All right. right. We'll have to keep an eye out for it in other movies. Yeah. So yeah. So I enjoyed her. That's my top performer. Cool. Speaking of this cast, though, and I'm going to move us into successes and failures because my first success is I kind of enjoyed the chemistry of the whole cast. Yeah. Like I. It reminds me, there's a lot, couple of '90s movies, and you know, this is in 2000, so right at the end of the decade, or the beginning of the next decade, century, depending <laughs> on. We had that debate last week, where like you kind of get these fun sciencey teams, like Twister or something like that, where it's like this team of scientists all working together, and little, little renegadey, yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, they're always like eating takeout food together and joking <laughs> and you know, working like working overnight and shifts and stuff like there's just some fun banter. And I really love the chemistry from, you know, from Mary Randall, from Joey Slotnick, from Greg Grumberg and Kim Dickens, who are like kind of the role players in this cast. I just, yeah, I like the atmosphere. It seemed like an aside from the boss being a complete, you know, part of my swearing, but a complete dick. (laughs) It seemed like a fun place to work. Yeah. And, you know, minus the whole, you know, doing experiments on animals. <laughs> yeah. Not, the break room looked like a fun place. Just yeah. just specifically the break room. <laughs> just specifically the break room. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I'm going to give some credit here to the, the chemistry of the whole cast.
1: Okay. Yeah, I I I could get on board with that. Um, But while we're talking about the cast, I gave... I'll, since you started with success, I'll start with a fail. I gave a, a fail... To Kim Dickens character not necessarily her I don't necessarily say her acting but I'm sure that played a role in it but her character in general is that they wrote her as like exactly what you would expect to like and to the extreme where it's sort of like if you if you feel this strongly it's weird that you'd be working here
0: yeah, he said, find me the best veterinarian in the country, or something like that. But right? that's not necessarily the best animal researcher, right? And if you were like,
1: if you felt really strongly about, you know, like, if you're a veter- if you're a veterinarian, you probably feel really strong about like animal rights and like the proper care of animals and the way they're treated. You're probably not going to work in a lab that just does a bunch of testing. I mean, maybe she saw herself as sort of like a, like a. A uh, a checks and balances kind of situation, well, you know. So, so. so,
0: I will tell you that I've I've filmed some pieces before for medical research, and I think it is common to have someone on staff whose job it is to take care of the animals, and probably has a veterinarian license. Okay, but comes into it with the mindset of they know what they're doing, right? Like they take care of the animals to a point, but then let the research happen.
1: Yeah, I didn't like that they 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 portrayed her as if she was like shocked by all the things that they were doing. Like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure you probably knew what you were getting yourself into. And so like I get that the character is supposed to be like, you know, she's the one who's trying to be like the honorable one fighting for the animals, but it just it was it was they laid it on a little thick and it, it felt unrealistic.
0: All right. I'm gonna hit you with my first fail. He immediately went to rape. I had this as my... Immediately, the first night, speaking of Kim... Yeah. He sneaks up on her and... Let's
1: let's give him all credit. Let's molestation.
0: (laughs) 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 I mean, they set up in the beginning that he's a little bit of a peeving Tom. Yeah. Which, I don't know how much I blame him. She likes undressing in front of that window a lot. She... She takes that shirt off the minute she gets into that apartment.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a <laughs> how far do you go? How far do you go out of your way to, to try to inspire neighbors versus are you just looking out the window? You know, yeah. those are two different things. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, voyeurism is definitely something that the director, Paul Verhoeven, and we'll get into Paul, but yeah. it's definitely a topic that he wanted to bring up. Yeah. And yeah, he I mean he immediately <laughs> becomes a sexual predator. Like it's, it's, waste no time. <laughs> that was that felt a little rushed as far as the development of our villain goes. Yeah, like Totally agree. I mean, like I said, he's a dick the whole movie, so he's I mean, he's clearly going to be a villain as soon as he gets power. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> this movie also has an obsession with Shirts that button down the middle, but nobody bottoms nobody buttons the bottom buttons, and it's just kind of open, so showing a little, little tummy. I think even Josh Brolin wears a button-down <laughs> shirt that, like.
1: <laughs> and nobody wears bras. No bras. No, there's not a bra <laughs> in this movie. I'll switch to successes. I gave a success to the visual effects.
0: Hang, hang on, hang on. Before we get there. Yeah. Should we talk about where he goes from the molestation to the actual rape? Should we get into the actual rape scene?
1: Yeah, we could talk about that, I suppose.
0: Because I will tell you, I mean, when this came out, it was in the year 2000. We were in high school, and I will tell you that that rape scene is probably the scene I remembered most from this movie. Because at the time, when all you have access to is like HBO or Cinemax, <laughs> that's like... Yep. One of the first, like, there's nudity. Yeah. Scenes. Yeah. And Paul Verhoeven is definitely known for putting that in his movies. Sex and violence is something he puts in a lot of his movies. Like, do you incorporate that scene in this fail that I'm proposing? Or do you think that scene kind of holds up on his own where, like, he definitely, like, becomes a villain at that point and follows through on the themes that were set up earlier? I think
1: it was even that was too early. I think the movie could have done with or without it, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to keep it in the movie. But I think it's like makes us hate him a lot with a lot of movie left.
0: So I will tell you that that scene, there's actually a longer cut of that scene. Oh, like more rape? More rape. And they show her like crying oy, oy, naked oy. on the bed as he, like, his footprints walk away. Oy. And they showed it to test audiences, and they were like, <laughs> exactly the reaction you're having right now. Like, oh, oh, Yeah. And they cut it down because Paul Verhoeven was like, we want you to hate Sebastian, but like, not that much yet. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. maybe once he commits murder, then you can hate him that much. Sure. So, he's like, he said that it was weird... Once they cut it down, it was you think that'd be the point that people would jump off and be like, "No, he's the villain. I'm not rooting for him anymore." And he's like, "You'd be surprised how long people stuck with him." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, it, it's it's a very interesting controversial scene. I I'm glad it I should say I'm glad it's in the movie, but it, it makes you talk, right? Yeah, it it yeah. at least creates a conversation point in the middle of the movie. And maybe if they would have shown a little bit more of the voyeurism and like some of his sexual frustration building up to it, maybe it would have felt m- of more of an earned scene. Yeah, and more of a of a villain turn. And I'll
1: I was gonna say a success, but since this kind of is a good transition to another fail that I had was I think they didn't spread out. So if they if the decision is all right, he's going to or try to at least kill everyone that everyone on the team. Right. And maybe some other people. <laughs> um, They needed to spread it out. I didn't like that it was all concentrated and it all happened in like one night, essentially. Last Almost tw- 20 minutes of the yeah. movie, yeah? Yeah, and like I, you know, I, I think you could have done more with exploring him kind of losing his mind if he like kills, maybe he follows one of them home or something like that. So the rest of them, the person doesn't show up for work so they're like oh that's weird she you know so and so won't answer their phone or what so they know that they're missing but they don't know that they've been murdered by sebastian right so
0: probably th- the kim character would have been sure. the perfect yeah. character for that yeah yeah
1: why not and so i think that if you if you spread those out a little bit then it's less of like this like night of horror at the laboratory and more of like this is the unraveling of someone as they You know this because they they talk about how the ape the the gorilla that they bring back that she was starting to kind of like get aggressive and be like weird, and they're like, all right, you know, we we need to bring her back, and then she was like doing better. So I think they need if they spread it out, they sort of would emphasize that unraveling psychological unraveling a little bit more.
0: I mean, his character as a whole. I got problems with it the whole the whole way through the movie. Like he's just too much of an a-hole at the start and a lot of things that happen in this movie just don't feel earned. Yeah. Yeah. I agree so I like it. I like what you're saying about spreading it out because when he starts committing murder, he's like what is it? Like he can't let them find out what he did. Like I get so he he murders the the scientist guy uh william devane's character but then he's like well they're all gonna tell on me so i just gotta murder everybody <laughs> like that's that's the logical conclusion he jumps to right yeah you're right it just i i wrote down is the murder motive valid and i think we could both agree no yeah it wasn't yeah
1: i did give a success to the visual effects those were cool it was fun i found to sort of watch these things happen and they brought in like some of like your like normal like medical stuff that people might be at least semi familiar with, like intubating someone when they can't breathe, right? Or, yep. or, um, someone's heart beating too fast or too slow and they have to use the paddles if they're going into cardiac arrest. And so, even though it wasn't like groundbreaking to watch it, you know, there's tons of like, you know, going through high school and there's in your books and stuff they show like interiors of bodies or yeah. whatever but it was kind of fun to watch it live for lack of a better word quote unquote and as people are sort of like moving around and like watching substances when they like inject them move throughout their body so yeah so I thought that, that was pretty cool and the transitions between all skeleton and then skeleton with like vertebrae and you know, the whole thing I um it was interesting to look at
0: I agree uh I wrote down early do the effects hold up, like when they, maybe even in the Isabella scene, you know, when they're bringing her back, and I was like, okay, let's see, do the effects hold up, and by the end of the movie, I wrote down success too, and it's, it's kind of, I mean, they kind of invented a lot of what they did here, it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, but it lost to Gladiator, which is interesting, Gladiator won for Best Visual Effects, I, I think I would have gone with this movie, maybe, just, just, Like, Gladiator's clearly a better movie. Yeah. But some of the stuff they did here, so, like, uh, they filmed scenes twice, once with the actors and once without, and then did some layering, and they used a motion control camera so that they ensured that the the camera would move the same way, and they constantly kept the camera moving so that uh, you just didn't feel like you were isolated with an actor, like, hamming it. Like, it didn't. It, it let the actors feel more real in the scene by moving the camera. Hmm. And then the scenes where you have to see his outline, whether it's smoke, water, blood, he wore these latex body suits and face masks and contact lenses that like covered his whole eye so that they could like key him out and like you know, or key the edges of him so that he could be the smoke or be the water. Yeah, all these, a dental plate. It was crazy, and they had different colors for different effects. They made a digital clone of his body. Every aspect, every inch of his body, including his genitals, was all—it's like digitally stored somewhere. (laughs) Someone still has a file somewhere that's Kevin Bacon's naked body. No, that folder. Don't click that folder. No, 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 no.
1: So yeah, so uh, it's yeah. They had to spend pretty crazy a ton of time and money putting all that together.
0: So, yeah, I agree. Success on the effects. I'm going to throw it back to a fail. Okay. And it's with the setup of the movie. So we're just going to gloss over the fact that the government wants invisible people, (laughs) and it's the easy part. (laughs) Making them invisible is the easy part. (laughs) Bringing them back, that's the hard part. We're just going to gloss over that just
1: accept that as reality.
0: Yep, that's reality now. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, like I forgot that the Pentagon is involved. So we're assuming it's soldiers, right? Now we have invisible soldiers stalking <laughs> our enemies." Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's that is that is bad news. Like, <laughs> yeah. And especially from Paul Verhoeven, who's known for doing these like subversive government things. Like, so let's talk a little bit about him. He did RoboCop. He did Total Recall. He did Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, thank you. Huh. All movies that are very submersive to, like, the government's wants, right? Yeah. And and government using technology to kind of trick the public or, sure. or do yeah. these devious things. So he's known for subverting government in that way and, and showing the hypocrisy of everything. And he just, like, throws this premise in and doesn't mention it again, like, doesn't touch <laughs> it. So, yeah, that was that's a big fail for me.
1: Yeah, it kind of, it might have worked better as if they were sort of just like a rogue, private, scientific lab. You know what I mean? Like just like doing their own kind of research yeah. or something like that or, I don't know.
0: Like uh, Deep Blue Sea? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: something like that, you know. <laughs> the next f- fail that I had was, he seemed, and, and maybe I just missed it in in the side effects of this sort of stuff. But he seems to become very strong when he's also invisible.
0: Yes. That was my next fail too.
1: <laughs> I don't recall them talking about it changing like your muscular abilities or anything like nope. that.
0: <laughs> nope. Not at all.
1: <laughs> but he becomes very strong, which makes him a much scarier villain. <laughs> he
0: like he broke the straps that were holding a very angry gorilla at one point.
1: Yeah. And gorillas are like Matt. 10 times stronger than we are something
0: like ridiculously (laughs) and then the other one was uh he lifts when he's hiding in the pipes he lifts carter up by the neck and strangles him i'm like he has the strength to lift up greg grumberg like (laughs) it's a big dude
1: it's a big dude i know at first when that scene was on i thought he was on the ground like like choke holding which in itself would be difficult yeah but then i realized oh no he's above like with one hand, just to hold it, and I was like, okay, this okay, apparently he's very strong also.
0: I think it's a little bit of the horror trope where like like great right? Jason, yeah, and uh, Michael Myers, like they all, all have strong. this weird super natural power to them. Yeah. So I think they were leaning into that a little bit, like the classic monster movie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no establishment of that. why that's possible. All right, so the final fight's the final scene as a whole, the, the murder scene, whether you want to call it. <laughs> the, mass, I, the massacre. The, the massacre, yeah. I, I wanted to like this scene. There's a lot of cool stuff in it. The way they have to use the fire extinguishers to see him, the way she rips the blood pouches to try to see him. Like, it's inventive but there's so many fails in it. Like there's so many nitpicks that balance out all the cool things. Yeah. There's a lot that I, I wanted to like that scene. I just, I don't know if I'd call it even a fail. There's just so many nitpicks you can find in it. Whether it's like the burns she gives him, would be incredibly painful. She lights him on fire, and he w- he still has nerve endings. He would still feel all that. His right. skin would be roasted. Right. There's no way he's fighting. There's no way he's moving. He'd be writhing in the floor in pain.
1: Yeah, and he just kind of, like, runs away and then disappears again.
0: <laughs> when the water droplets were hitting him, because then she, like, lets the fire extinguishers on, when the water droplets are hitting him, he would be screaming in agony, something yeah. like touching his burned skin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Conveniences,
0: <laughs> yeah. I did like how she got out of the f- the freezer. That was very smart. I mean, the magnet, yeah. 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 I was like, I, I, I was like racking my brain. I was like, I know there's some way she gets out of this. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. What's she building oh a magnet? <laughs> I'll save it. I'll save it for. You quick. got a quick pick? You got a good quick pick? All right, keep it locked and loaded. Let's move on. And take a look at what those Rotten Tomatoes critics had to say. And like I said, it's a pretty low score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's only at 28%. So let's see if we could find any fresh reviews and see what they thought of this movie. Michael Atkins from Mr. Showbiz, he had a fresh review. He said, How a man has a wicked, dirty soul and that's why it's special. Do you think Paul Verhoeven's I don't know. Uh, look at voyeurism and sex. There's anything worth worth it in this movie to show someone this movie for that sake to be like, you know, he really has something to say about voyeurism.
1: No. <laughs> if you want, if you want that, go watch like Rear Window or something like that.
0: <laughs> Do you think Michael Atkins just liked that there were boobs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this. Guy- it's one of the things Paul Verhoeven, he had the three-boobed three, nip, three boob lady from Total Recall. I mean, he's yeah. literally known for putting boobs in movies. Yeah.
1: Lots of boobs in Starship Troopers.
0: Yep. Yeah. And for like, and it always comes for no reason. I, I think, <laughs> I don't know if he's trying to say something about like, let's stop being so prude. Maybe. I mean, they have co-ed showers in Starship Troopers, right? <laughs> he's clearly saying something about prudishness. Yeah. So maybe he's like, he's like, I got to keep it going. I, everybody expects boobs from me. I got a good, I have another good trivia. I'm going to save him to tease out about the uh, the R rating that this movie got, so right. hang on to that one. Let's take a look at another fresh review. So, Robert Kohler from Variety, his fresh review, Hollow Man is a combo of thrills, juicy one-liners, and fine star turns by Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth Shue. Now, I can't deny that I enjoy Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth Shue in leading roles, but did you notice any juicy one-liners? No. No. <laughs> I did like
1: Kevin Bacon's joke. I thought that was kind oh, of-
0: Oh, I was saving that for Quick Fix. <laughs> well, we
1: don't have to explain it until Quick
0: Picks. No, I, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to ask you, did you like the joke? Did you find it's funny? So he has a joke about Superman, Wonder Woman. To, to go tell, ahead. Tell the joke. Go ahead. Can okay. you tell the joke? I can. Better than he did? Because he horrible delivery. <laughs>
1: The joke is that uh, Superman is flying around Metropolis doing his Superman thing. He spots Wonder Woman sunbathing on top of a roof, Um, but she's sunbathing completely naked spread eagle, which is a weird way to sunbathe, but it's besides the point. And so Superman apparently is also a creepster. (laughs) Makes the decision that he's like, I'm super fast, faster than a speeding bullet, I could just go and have sex with her. In by the time she notices, I'll be gone. I could just do it that fast. And so he swoops down, does this thing, comes back, and one and one woman's like, "What the hell was that?" And the invisible man goes, "I don't know, but my butt certainly
0: hurts." <laughs> I I you did a better delivery <laughs> than than he did. You know, I just thought of a new layer on that joke. Does that mean? The Invisible Man was actually having sex with Wonder Woman? Is that why she was spread eagle? Yes. And that's why his butt was up in the air? You just figured that out? I thought he just missed the landing.
1: No. <laughs> invisible Man's on top of Wonder Woman having sex. Superman yeah. can't see him because he's invisible.
0: I just got that part of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is the joke. I mean, Invisible Man could be sunbathing nude too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's an all right joke. It's okay. But the it's, way he delivers it's it's it in a the movie. Cr- it's a little creepy. The way he delivers it in the movie, he sucks all the punch. He sucks the punchline right out of it. Like, there's no. Yeah. It's a horrible delivery. <laughs> there's a reason Kevin Bacon is not a stand-up comedian. That's true. Yeah. All right, Darren, let's take a look at some of those rotten reviews, and there are a lot to choose from. Of course, you're going to have your jokes in here. Everybody's got to get their joke in with a rotten review, like Jane Sumner from the Dallas Morning News who lots, said. Lots of puns. Too bad they couldn't figure out a way to make the whole movie invisible. Hello. That would be called a podcast. <laughs> Roger Ebert, legendary reviewer. We might as well take a listen to what he has to say. From the Chicago Sun-Times says it brings nothing to the party except the most simplistic elements. Do you think there's a a deeper version of this movie that maybe could have been done?
1: Yes. Right. absolutely
0: do you maybe have something for your sequel that you're you've got geared up for us yeah all right <laughs> stay tuned for that and roger ebert we might have something for you yeah so owen Gleberman from entertainment weekly his rotten review is verhoeven sets up and then fails to deliver lavish satirical ways of having fun with invisibility is this in your sequel as well
1: no but i agree
0: yeah he didn't yeah. Like they they talk about it briefly, but there is a lot of things you could do if you're invisible.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of lot of a lot of, of non-molestation non-mol- things you can do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's kind of wasted. I mean, they he could have gone anywhere in the city. He could have done anything. He could have yeah. robbed banks. He could have there's so many even if you want to make him evil and wicked and twisted, there's so many evil wicked twisted things he could have done. Yeah.
1: Steal piece of pizza, or I don't know, anything.
0: <laughs> Could have stolen the Declaration of Independence.
1: Ooh, and then suddenly it's national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> they they exist in the same universe.
0: <laughs> I, Kevin Bacon, Sebastian. Ooh, what if Nick Cage played Sebastian Kane? Oh, that, I think he would have done well. I want to see that movie. Yeah,
1: he plays a good evil guy.
0: Oh, that would have been excellent. Yeah he would have been completely over the top with it. Like, when he turns invisible, it would have been a shit show. Oh, man. All right, that does it for our Rotten Tomatoes reviewers. And, Darren, it is time. It is time for us to pitch a sequel. Now, there was a sequel, I think a direct dvd sequel starring Christian Slater. I've, I know nothing about that movie. But if you were to pitch a sequel to Hollow Man, what are you doing?
1: So this would be a total remake I'm thinking sort of, like, imagine the subtlety that you get from, like, a American psycho, but mix that with Hollow Man. So the way that, that Patrick Bateman's, like, reality slowly unwinds, I think if you do something like that with this, then it can be, like, a much more, like, psychological thriller and be much more interesting. Even if you want to be like all right, in the end he's still going to murder everyone, I think that's okay. But I think you need to explore what's happening to someone's mind when literally nobody can see them because like it is this interesting thing of like all right, it's fun for a while and even maybe certain things are fun forever, but then there's like a ton of things that are not fun about it because you know, you're, it's like you don't exist to people. So my, and you have no eyelids, right? You're right. And things are very bright <laughs> <laughs> all the time. So yeah, so that would be my, it's a remake is what I, I was one pitching is really maybe laid ease back on some of like the super rapey molestation stuff and maybe even ease back on some of the murdering or either, or spread it out And then kind of, like, do a deeper psychological dive into, like, what is happening to this person as days go by where they continue to not be visible.
0: And they, you know, what does that look like? So, I like it. I'm going to double down on the rape and murder. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So, I'm pitching a direct sequel starring Rona Mitra, who was the girl that Sebastian rapes. His neighbor that he's always spying on. Okay. So, it's kind of like a, uh, there's actually a movie, there's some movies coming out around this theme of basically like, kind of like female revenge flicks. Okay. So that's what I'm pitching here. So, she wants to find out what happened to her. She tracks down Linda McKay and Matt Kensington, right, our two surviving characters. And she finds out about the invisible serum. Oh, dang. And she convinces them to inject her. So now she becomes the invisible woman. And I wish they didn't kill him, because it would be the first Sebastian would be the perfect thing to like launch her and down on this journey. Maybe Sebastian survived. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she like she partners with a detective of the police force, but basically she starts finding like unsolved rape cases and starts enacting justice oh, as shit. the invisible woman.
1: It's like boondock, invisible boondock saints.
0: Yeah, and you could do the same, like kind of like you know mind deteriorating thing. Sure, as she becomes more comfortable with the violence, as you know, as she becomes more comfortable with the world that she's entering of this like vigilante justice, like she's going to deteriorate a little bit yeah. mentally. Yeah, and uh, does she cross a line? Does she? You know, something obviously will have to happen in the third act where like. You know, this can't go on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm pitching. I'm pitching a female revenge murder flick.
1: I dig it. Yeah.
0: Nice. (laughs) All right. There you go. Do you like our sequels? Go ahead, tweet at us. Tell us what you think. Would you watch either of those movies? And while you do that, we are going to move on to Quick Picks. It's time for our nitpicks of the movie. It's time for those last little details that we got to shout out. Darren, what do you got for me this week in quick picks?
1: I guess they are mostly nitpicks. <laughs> 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 the first one I had was, I don't know if it's if they're doing it to Isabella the gor- the gorilla or if it, or if it's when they're doing it to Sebastian, but you know they they put those um, little. Suction cuppy monitor things on on his head. I don't know what you call them, but um, yeah, yeah. sensors, sensors or whatever. But but they like one of the one of the lab people is like very carefully attaching all of them while a conversation is going on, and then like they put the last one on, and then like literally three seconds go by, and they're like, "All right, time to take them off." Yes, yes. (laughs) You just (laughs) spent like twenty minutes, it seems, (laughs) putting them all on.
0: That is a perfect quick pick right there. <laughs> All right, my first one is not a nitpick. Uh, it's just share a little insight about my life. I, I, I really thought I was sitting there and I had my laptop and I had my big TV and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to watch this one on the TV. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. The dog's sitting right here on the couch. I don't know. I You know what? I'm going to go with the laptop. Oh, my God. The opening shot of the movie is that mouse running down the hallway. Uh, If the dog would have seen that, my night would have been over. (laughs) I am so glad I chose to watch this on my laptop and not on the TV. I did not remember how many animals were in this movie. A lot. Yeah. A lot of animals. Oh, he would have lost his mind. (laughs) Uh,
1: My next one is... Even if you work in a really laid back environment, office, laboratory, or wherever, who just open openly looks at pornography at work? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh I think it's Frank. Or no, it might be Carter. Is it Car- it's Carter? It's Carter. He has got the Playboy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just openly looking at porn,
0: not even trying to hide it. That is the night shift. Yeah. Still. <laughs> I mean, that shows us where we were at the time, right? Because now you could just like pull out your phone and be like, what did Rona Mitra look like naked in uh, Hollow Man? Yeah. And, yeah. But uh, you couldn't do that back then. You had, uh, to, you no. had to have a centerfold. Sure. it in your top desk drawer.
1: <laughs> at least, you know, put a regular magazine around it on the outside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cover. Oh, my God. A Sports Illustrated cover yeah. around it. Yeah, exactly. yeah nice. <laughs> nice. Speaking of that old technology, um, do after. Do TVs just go to static after Leno plays? <laughs> In the year 2000? Would TVs just go to static after there the was, Tonight Show?
1: There was no other content.
0: <laughs> it's paid programming all night long. At least Conan would be on after.
1: Yeah, that's true. That was strange that
0: <laughs> it just went to nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, cable was pretty sophisticated by the year 2000. Yeah, he would have 24 hour programming. <laughs> and while we're on that scene, what triggers his genius idea?
1: Yeah, I don't think. I think it's. Yeah, they don't explain it. It, it. They almost just talk about like it's just like sort of like a just hit him, like he was just walking and just hit him. But he didn't something
0: see- has to. Ha- you gotta see like your Cheerios laid out in a specific pattern in your soup yeah. in your cereal bowl or something like, and it like triggers a brilliant idea. No, he gets up from his nap. Walks around the apartment and comes back to the computer. He just goes, "I got it, and it works."
1: Yeah, Cheerios. That would have been a good one. Yeah,
0: yeah, I like that. Thank you. I get most of my best ideas from breakfast <laughs> cereals.
1: <laughs> I thought at first maybe they were only making, um, like interior calls, like within the lab. But I think they start making exterior calls, and they're all only three digits. <laughs> it's always boop boop boop.
0: Oh, and they start picking up the cordless phones. Boop boop boop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like everyone's phone number is only three digits. Boop boop boop. Because <laughs> I don't know, it, it's something I always listen for when I, when someone in a movie picks up a phone. You always, ex- you know, is it, is it seven ten? What what is it? And there are they doing definitely... one
0: plus, one nine then the area
1: code? <laughs> right, right. Like, is it a, are they making an international call? and we got lots of numbers to
0: deal with. Speaking of numbers, how about that elevator? You have to do a fingerprint. You have to then do a verbal command with a code and your name, and then you have to type in a code as well.
1: Secure, secure elevator.
0: <laughs> just pick one. <laughs> I think. Not, I think at least like twenty-five percent of the budget for this super high-tech lab was spent just <laughs> on elevator <laughs> security.
1: Could be. Yeah, they said t- they didn't think two-factor verification was enough they when they went to
0: five <laughs> <laughs> while we're making fun of the technology let's talk about their video chats specifically the one they have at the beginning of the movie where he wakes her up in the middle of the night yeah like the probably the best video conferencing technology out right out there right now is zoom zoom.us not a sponsor of the show go ahead and sponsor us if you want zoom <laughs> I, I we use it at work we use it for all sorts of things that was a hundred times better. That was crystal clear HD with no buffering. That was a hundred times better than what we have now, twenty years later.
1: Maybe Sebastian designed it himself.
0: And they <laughs> were screen sharing. And there's no way that monitor faced that bed. Like she rounded the corner when oh, she came to yeah, her computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then for the rest of the movie, it's like facing the bed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I disagreed with that. <laughs> I think that's the last of the tech. That I wanted to make fun of.
1: Well, this is semi tech related. Why, kind of? Why do they keep taking the thermal glasses off? They put them on and flip them up, and then flip. Take, no, I not even sometimes just completely take them off. Like in the th- the thralls of Kevin Bacon potentially being around, take them off. You put them on, then take them off, yeah. and then put them on. And they take them off. You
0: know what I'm going to compare this to? I'm going to compare this to an outfielder in baseball who <laughs> drops an easy pop-up because they lose it in the sun, but they have sunglasses sitting on top of their hat <laughs> the whole time.
1: I can't see him. Maybe put his fucking thermal things on, <laughs> you can see them.
0: Uh, speaking of bad decisions that Matt Kensington makes, why does he get into Isabella's gorilla cage? That is a huge gorilla. That's at least a three, 400-pound gorilla, and he just walks into her cage.
1: It's a terrible idea.
0: Terrible idea.
1: I'm pretty sure like zoos, and th- I think if you have to tranquilize an animal, they do it from outside of the cage.
0: Yes. <laughs> and then him and uh, Sebastian are on this like, here we go again, Donkey Kong chase. Like, <laughs> like it happens all the time. <laughs>
1: Oh, Isabella's out again. That rascally gorilla.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The grape ape or something like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Any other place that would be a full-on emergency evacuation. (laughs) To them, it's just like Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, The next one I had was um, after Sebastian is shaking around. Carter and like lifts him up and then he throws him and he smacks his head or like his neck on like a pipe or something and it's like a really bad wound it's brutal brutal and uh the uh i think it's the veterinarian lady she comes around to to see what's happening with them and i don't know if it's she says it or if um frank says it but one of them are like looking at him and they're like, He's okay. <laughs> That's their exact words. Oh no, he's okay. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> it's like this man is clearly not okay. He's bleeding profusely from his head.
0: Yeah, there was there was no hope of saving him. He was ew, ew. I was that was that the most brutal death It might be. When him hit they sh- full on show him his head's
1: I mean obviously you know, Yeah, some what, stunt person yeah, or something or whatever. like that. Smacking that pipe it's real
0: <laughs>
1: that's so sick he, he's okay
0: all right my next one uh i gotta maybe this should have been a fail but i gotta fail the whole scientific crew did they learn nothing from the animals that they were studying he watched isabel writhe in pain and then when he's getting injected He's like, oh, I didn't think it would hurt this bad. And, he, you know, screaming in agony. And it's like, dude, you just watched her go through this. Then he's like complaining about the light sensitivity. Did none of the other animals complain about light sensitivity? Were none of the other animals burying their faces to try to get away from the lights? Like, how did they not know this was a problem with invisible eyelids? Yeah. Elizabeth, she was like, oh, yeah, your eyelids are invisible. <laughs> Meanwhile, they've had bright lights on the, all the other invisible animals the whole time. Yeah.
1: That's true, and they don't you don't they don't show animal the animals like trying to hide their heads or anything like that.
0: Oh, I found another technology one. Oh yeah? Yeah. I'm calling bullshit on looping the camera like that. He pulls out two electrical clips and one circuit board, and suddenly that's enough to loop his security camera, his thermal camera for like so he can sneak out of the lab.
1: That's your department. I don't know enough about that stuff. Oh,
0: I mean, come on. I mean, yes, in movies they do that, right? You loop a camera. That's a thing. That's a trope. Yeah, but yeah. it's not from clipping a random circuit board onto the back of the camera. Like that's not how cameras work. <laughs> not every circuit board is like a hard drive that that will hold, store. holds an image. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll call bull on that one.
1: I have two more. First one is. When they thought they killed him, when Matt smacks him in the back of the head with that pipe and he goes down and you're like, all right, maybe that's, you know, well, you know he's not dead, but you're like, all right, he's at least out for a while.
0: Don't forget his superpowers. Right.
1: (laughs) But then within seconds, they turn their back on him and try to, and like slowly walk away. Of course he's going to come back Have you never watched a movie in your whole life.
0: No, they've been too busy studying DNA research. They clearly know nothing.
1: I mean, two seconds, their backs are to him. <laughs> that's, all, I don't know, that's all I got.
0: I got a few more. Those kids should have been wearing seatbelts in the car. <laughs> when he rolls up on them and scares them with his hollow face. Just hanging out the window. <laughs> just hanging out the back seat. Yeah. They should be wearing seatbelts. It's true. Very unsafe. <laughs> What's your last
1: one? You said you had one more. I do. I think it's because it's, it's something that I watched a lot when I was growing up, and so I, it's just always in my mind. Elizabeth Shue, regardless of anything I ever see her in, will forever be adventures and babysitting for me. Interesting. Always and forever. And it's, what really hit it for me with this is that she's calling out for Sarah, who's the veterinarian, a few times. And she says it in exactly the same tone that she says it in the movie because one of the kids she's caring for in the movie that they lose temporarily is this little girl named Sarah. And so, like, the tone, the volume is, like, identical. And it just – it was like, oh, my gosh, Adventures in Babysitting. Which, by the way, is an awesome movie if you haven't seen it.
0: Sometimes someone just – you know, something sticks like that. Yeah. Um Yeah. I think a lot of people will know her from one of her first acting roles, The Karate Kid. Mm. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. And probably so. the thing I would know her from most would be Back to the Future's Part 2 and 3. Sure. She, sure. she got recast as Jennifer for right, the sequels. Right. Have
1: you seen for, Adventures of Babysitting?
0: I don't think I have.
1: I recommend it. It's fun. What's it rated? I don't know. I could never fairly rate it.
0: 6.9 on IMDb. Too good. <laughs> I, got a, all right, I got a few more. First off, why did Kane, Sebastian Kane, stop working on the formula? Like, once he becomes invisible, it's like all up to Matt to figure it out.
1: Yeah. And then he gets pissed at Matt for not figuring it out.
0: Yeah. Why wasn't he doing any work on the formula? He should have been spending all his time working on that formula.
1: He secretly wanted to be invisible, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. My last nitpick it's a big one here. Da Vinci never slept. He said it was a waste of time. Did he? Did he say that, Darren? Sebastian Kane claims he said it. I can tell you that Leonardo da net has about 50 quotes on its quote page, and not one of them does Leonardo da Vinci ever say that sleep was a waste of time. However, he could have just been, um, you know, extrapolating what da Vinci might have said. Yeah. Because Leonardo da Vinci did sleep a very short amount he slept according to some articles according to uh, independent.uk and according to curiosity.com apparently they did him and Nikola Tesla did something called the the Uberman cycle which is where you take six 20 minute naps evenly spaced throughout the day. So you, you are resetting your body, but you're staying productive. And you'd be able to gain a six extra hours of productivity in your day. You might be able to gain an extra twenty years of productivity in your lifetime by doing this.
1: Only sleeping two hours a day.
0: Yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds awful. But apparently this cycle, you stay like some kind of REM cycle. So this is a thing. Hmm. And I found another article that independent.uk article has some of the. It has a ton of pop up ads, I'll tell you that. But it also has 14 bizarre sleeping habits of super successful people, including Tom Cruise, who sleeps in a snoratorium. <laughs> Apparently, he snores so bad that it's a soundproof space where no one can hear his snoring and he could just sleep peacefully. <laughs> Winston Churchill did this two-hour nap thing, he did two-hour naps every day. Mariah Carey surrounded her bed with 20 humidifiers and needed 15 hours of sleep, she said, to sing the way that she does. She needed to keep moist air around her while she slept. Sounds like a
1: harboring of bacteria.
0: Yeah. Let's see, who else has a fun one? Eminem apparently puts tinfoil on his windows to keep the light out. Apparently blackout curtains aren't good enough. So, yeah, so and there's there's more in this article, but there are some weird, weird sleep habits out there. So I thought that was fun. Six 20-minute naps. Hmm. Yeah, but don't be quoting Leonardo da Vinci if you don't actually know if he said it. It's true. It's bold. All right, Darren, you ready for your lesson this week? I thought that was the lesson. <laughs> nah, that was my last quick pick. <laughs> You're going to like the lesson this week. It has to do with flies. So... He's having trouble killing a fly in one scene. And he takes his glove off so that his hand becomes invisible again. Mm-hmm. And he's able to snatch the fly right out of midair. Mm-hmm. Do you know why flies are so hard to kill?
1: I think you're going to tell me.
0: This is from CNN.com, an article from 2008. Scientists have discovered that flies quickly calculate the location of the threat and an escape plan. Within 100 milliseconds of spotting the fly swatter, they can move their bodies into position that allows an extension of the legs to save them. Not only that, they watch flies in slow motion, and depending on what they're doing at rest, whether they're cleaning themselves or eating or walking, they know how to contour their body into basically launch position to fly away Hmm. at any given moment. So you may think you have the drop on a fly, but they are thinking ahead. <laughs> Literally probably the greatest flight or f- fight or flight response yeah. in, in the animal kingdom. They'd
1: be great at sports.
0: Yeah. Yeah, quick twitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A point guard maybe in yeah. basketball or uh, a soccer player. First step. That's yeah. Need. <laughs> so that is your lesson this week. Before we get into trivia, we mentioned it last week. Are you ready to play, we got some time left on the pod, a little Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? I'm ready. Okay. I thought we might be able to take some of the movies. Now, I have not looked these up. Okay. I was thinking a little bit as the podcast was going on here, so I might have a few locked and loaded, but I thought we'd take some of the movies we did earlier in the season and see if we could do Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon (laughs) with any of these actors.
1: I'm terrible at this, but we could try.
0: Starting with... Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle. Can you do Lucy Liu, Cameron Diaz, or Drew Barrymore in Six Degrees? Can you connect them to Kevin Bacon? First off, if anyone out there doesn't know what (laughs) Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon is, it was a claim at a time that Kevin Bacon was in so many movies that you could link any actor to Kevin Bacon through, like, six connections, basically. Yeah. So, it was something that people joked about a lot in the 90s, I feel like. Yeah. It was joked about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I feel like,
1: I want to say um, not Cameron Diaz. No, I feel like Cameron Diaz is probably could probably get there, but I don't know how.
0: I don't remember <laughs> the name of the movie, so I'm failing at the game a little bit. But she, oh, no, no, no. She was in a movie with Tom Cruise called Vanilla Sky. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom Cruise was in A Few Good Men. With With Kevin Bacon. (laughs) I thought of this one already. How about Snow White and the Huntsman? Can you do Chris Hemsworth in Six Degrees? Can you connect him to Kevin Bacon? No. (laughs) I told you, I'm not good at this. Chris Hemsworth was in Avengers Endgame with Josh Brolin, who played Thanos, Mm. who was in Hollow Man. Nice. Kevin Bacon. Nice. All right, here's a good one. Star Trek, the motion picture. Can you do Captain Kirk himself? William Shatner. William Shatner.
1: Can I can I do 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon with William Shatner? With L- L-
0: William Shatner.
1: No. <laughs> I can't. Let's see here. I don't think I could tell you another movie William Shatner was in. I
0: know that's what I'm just thinking. <laughs> I know William Shatner was in other movies. Come on. Oh, no, no, no. I did it. With what? I did Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Okay, I can't do Kirk, but I think I could do Spock. Stay with me here. Okay. Leonard Nimoy, count me off here how many connections this is. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy was in the new remakes of Star Trek with Chris Pine. Okay. Chris Pine was in Wonder Woman with Gail Gadot. Gail Gadot was in Justice League with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was in Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon, who was in The Departed with, what's his name? Uh, The same as The Golfer. Uh,
1: Oh, Jack Nicholson.
0: With Jack Nicholson, who was in A Few Good Men with Kevin Bacon. Boom! That is six! (laughs) (laughs) That is the six degrees of Kevin Bacon.
1: Were you helped by the internet with that?
0: I was not helped by the internet at all. That was all Ah. off the top of the head. Ah. So there's a fun road trip game for you. If you've never heard of the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon before, that's how you play. (laughs) Do it on your next road trip. It'll keep you busy for hours. All right, Darren. You ready for a little trivia before we make our final decisions? Yeah. So uh, you know how they were joking about Marco Polo on set? Mm-hmm. Apparently, director Paul Verhoeven and director of photography Jost Vakano had to be informed on set as to what Sebastian's Marco Polo taunt meant as, Verho- as Verhoeven is from the Netherlands and Vacano is from Germany and neither had ever heard of the game before. Hmm. Yeah. Apparently, that's an American thing.
1: Which seems weird because Marco Polo.
0: Not an American. Yeah. <laughs> So, apparently, to get the right reactions from the cast, Paul Verhoeven had speakers put in different places on the set and had Kevin Bacon's voice come from different speakers so the cast would genuinely react to the invisible character moving around. Hmm, that's smart. Yeah. And for the scene with the invisible gorilla, Paul screamed to the microphone, imitating gorilla noises. <laughs> When the crew carries a half-invisible Sebastian back to the operating table, a metal skeleton was used. It was made of metal in order to make it heavy, so the actors would given the impression of carrying a human body. Hmm. Yeah. Here's where we get into some of the fun stuff with uh, Paul Verhoeven and his R rating. So, this is the first Hollywood movie of Paul Verhoeven that got an R rating on its first submission to the MPAA. His previous American films, RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, and Starship Troopers initially received X and NC-17 ratings, (laughs) of which all except for Showgirls were recut to receive an R rating. (laughs) He really likes boobs. (laughs) It's probably partially
1: like the... Is it the violence too, or is it really just the? the n- I'm the sure nudity. the violence
0: too. Like, there's some weirdly violent things in uh, Total Recall and RoboCop, especially the viol- that is a violent movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that was like there was a celebration.
0: He's like nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got it right. Well, no, I don't think there was a celebration, <laughs> and this will be my last bit of trivia. Apparently, Paul Verhoeven was dissatisfied with the film. In 2013, he remarked to The Hollywood Reporter, I decided after Hollow Man, this is a movie, the first movie that I made that I thought I should not have made. It made money and this and that, but it really is not me anymore. I think many other people could have done that. I don't think many people could have made Robocop that way or either Starship Troopers. But Hollow Man, I thought there might have been 20 directors in Hollywood who could have done that. I felt depressed with myself after 2002. In earlier interviews, Verhoeven explained that the job was offered in a period where many of his proposed movie projects had fallen through and he accepted to stay in business. So, with that, Darren, and with Paul Verhoeven's insight into his own film, it is time for us to decide once and for all, Hollow Man, is it a good movie or is it a bad movie?
1: Well, Paul... As much as I love *Starship Troopers*, total cult classic. *Hollow Man* I'm put down in my list of bad movies. I think he really missed, and it, and you know, it's it's the the writing also, but you know, a lot of most things come down down to the director is really missed an opportunity to do something more interesting with this idea of psychological effects of becoming invisible. There's so many directions you could go with it beyond just touching women inappropriately <laughs> and murdering. <laughs> you could do those things too.
0: Straight to rape.
1: Yep. You could certainly do those things also if you want to. But there's a lot of other more interesting things you could do with it that would that would make it more of an interesting kind of study into the effect the psychological effects of such a, such a thing happening to someone. I think that the overall concept of the movie had potential, but I don't think it was executed well, so I put it as a bad movie.
0: Here's what I'm going to say. If someone were to ask me about Hollow Man, is it good or bad? I don't think there's necessarily anything in here that I would say to turn them away from the movie. If it were on cable, would I leave it on? Probably. If I saw it was, like, available on a streaming service, would I choose it? Probably not. In the end, I'm going to say it's a bad movie. There are plenty of entertaining moments in the movie. There, there are plenty of entertaining things, and the idea, like you said, the idea and the concept of it have potential. Like, anytime you do something like this where you're turning a character invisible or something like that and, and putting them on this path like this, And, uh, I mean, the source material for this is like an old H.G. Wells novella, which sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so there's potential here, but there's nothing inherent in this movie that really makes it good. So, yeah, even though I'm, I'm not mad that we watched it, I think we had a lot of fun reviewing it. I like Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue, and some of the other actors in this. But, yeah, overall, it's a bad movie. So there you go. There are our opinions. There's our review of Hollow Man. Coming up next week, Pixar is going to be back in your theaters with their latest movie, Onward, which is all about magic. It's about magic has kind of left this magical world. And uh, I beg, Darren, I pleaded with Darren, <laughs> let's do this movie. We are going to do 2015's animated from Lucasfilm Strange Magic, which is a 5.8 on IMDb and only a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. I am begging you. We watched the trailer before we started recording today. Go watch the trailer. Whatever you're doing, go find on YouTube the trailer for Strange Magic right now. It is so effing weird. (laughs) It's like a fantasy, but also a musical, but also a slapstick comedy. Like, I have no idea what to expect next week, and I am so excited.
1: How many Star Wars puns do you think there's going to be in the reviews?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So many. (laughs) This movie didn't find the light side. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) and and the fact that George Lucas did this movie, like, I want to dig into that. So, uh, 2015's Strange Magic. Unfortunately, it was on Disney Plus for a while. It doesn't look like it's streaming anywhere, so we're going to have to rent this one again, everybody. So, stay with us. Come back. Join us next week for what I can only assume is going to be our weirdest episode to date. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. You can follow us on Twitter at No Meh Movies. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Thanks for supporting the show, everyone. And the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance and tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. could have been just you know speaking what is it speaking hyperbolically what's the phrase i don't know hyperbole sure